And now it is time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the telephone, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, the star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I've got so much to talk about and 45 minutes to do it, so let's get at it. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Dad has a lot he wants to say. Sometimes it might be unimportant. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes most of the turns. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have three. (laughs) First, I want to shout-out for NASCAR driver Jimmy Johnson, who woke up hearing about the noose in Bubba Wallace's garage and said he was going to walk with him, and because he said that, all the other drivers fell in behind, and the the leadership Jimmy showed was really great. I want to shout out for Beyonce, who received the BET Humanitarian Award last night, and in her acceptance she said, vote like our lives depend upon it, because it does. Congratulations. And then a funny shout-out. I want to shout-out for DDT's brother, Robert, who lost his first try to quash his cousin Mary's book, or I guess niece's Mary's book, and has filed another lawsuit. And what he is doing is guaranteeing that the readership of Mary's book, when it comes out, one month from yesterday is going to be very high. So congratulations, Robert, for doing that. Yeah, Mary Trump's book, man. That seems uh, fascinating. Like, I am not that interested in buying John Bolton's book. I am interested, and I do think it's important, uh, the revelations that were contained therein, the fact that it was not released that he did not offer that information during the midst of impeachment proceedings. In fact, even earlier than that, when he said afterwards that there should be there should have been more counts, that they should have covered more than just what they covered with Ukraine, with Ukraine, excuse me, the fact that he didn't tell them that when there was a chance to tell them that when it actually mattered, to me, takes away much moral credit from the guy. But. Mary Trump to be willing to in advance of the election, uh, the uh, that's a to to release information about her family that, that feels that feels somewhat important. And while you're talking about John Bolton, he was interviewed on on CNN over the weekend, and he said one of the reasons that he said we mustn't elect reelect Trump is because Trump is so concerned about his legacy that he might decide to appoint, well, I, I watched this, so it's true, he might appoint a liberal judge to protect his legacy, which further lowered my estimation of John Bolton. Let me say, there is a uh, there is breaking news right now. Uh, the uh, There's breaking news right now that the Supreme Court. Oh, good. I was wondering if if that would happen. Go go with it. So Chief Justice John Roberts joined the court's four uh, liberal members, citing the Supreme Court's adherence to president precedent. Excuse me, to invalidate Louisiana law that required doctors at clinics that perform abortions to have admitting privileges at a nearby hospital. Essentially, wow. make it simple. Make it more simple. The Supreme Court struck down 
a Louisiana law regulating abortion clinics. So when the when the Supreme Court had its first chance after the Gorsuch and Kavanaugh appointments to overturn Roe versus Wade, this has been, by the way, near the essence of the Federalist Society project, near the essence of the conservative. Uh, justice development and court development project over the last 40 years. Their first chance to invalidate Roe versus Wade, they didn't do it. Uh, the Talking Points memo, according to them, Justice Stephen Breyer, writing for the majority, called law almost word for word identical to a Texas law that the court struck down in 2016. So it did not require, it did not require that they address Roe versus Wade directly, to be clear. Uh, but that is the new news. And, Dad, I want to get where I want to get to and where I want to jump. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I, let me, let me finish, finish what I'm saying. Uh, I do want to talk about what's happening in the state legislature and what just finished in the state legislature. That's really what I want to do off top. But you probably have thoughts on this one. But, uh, but yeah, thoughts on that. And then also what does it portend? Because the big things that are still down the pike include uh, the president's tax returns and include Obamacare and Knowing that Supreme Court just the Supreme Court Chief Justice has influence over what opinions get released when, uh, I have been wondering if each of these times that Justice Roberts is siding with the liberals is to build credibility so that he can protect the president's taxes and make it feel more fair when he rips health care away from millions of Americans, unless maybe, in fact, he will still uh, try to hold the president accountable and protect health care. I still am watching those. What are your thoughts? Well, he may actually feel himself bound by precedent to some extent, but did he tax returns that we're looking for? Electoral college freedom could come out this week, ruling on whether or not a member of the electoral college can vote as he or she wishes, and whether or not if they don't vote according to the way the state went, they can be fined. Also, church and state uh, law, whether or not a uh, student can take advantage of a tax credit going to a religious school. 33 states, 38 states say no. And uh, this is particularly interesting because a, a significant majority of the, the uh, Supreme Court are all Catholic. So there's just a whole lot coming out. And while we're talking about court news... Well, hold on. Let me, let me respond a little bit to that. It. Well, I lost my thread. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dad. Uh, the uh, they, the court ruled last week that uh, by a vote of seven to two, which is in controversial cases quite unusual these days, that it would be that big a margin, that you do not have to give asylum seekers access to courts before you kick them out of the country. The court is uh, also the judge... Carl Nichols of the U.S. District Court of in, in D.C. ruled correctly, I think, that DDT's hospital transparency reg would stand, and that's some, when, when DDT does a good thing, we should mention it, and that was a good thing. And the Ninth Circuit, by a vote of two to one, which I suspect will be appealed to the Ninth Circuit en banc, and then maybe even to the Supreme Court. But the Ninth Circuit said that DDT using Department of Defense money for his wall violates 
the first article of the Constitution, which it clearly does. So that's kind of significant. But we should talk about the legislature. And by the way, they got out on Friday night. They moved quickly. I want to say one more thing with the Supreme Court, at least. The, when we've been talking about the Gorsuch and Kavanaugh appointments, I have said that I was, without wanting to jinx anything, I have been less uh, concerned, feels like a weak word, uh, if I were going to predict whether or not this court would overturn Roe versus Wade, I have felt it was less likely than many pundits that I listened to and many legitimately concerned activists I heard from. And here's why. I think about this from first from two perspectives, as I imagine John Roberts. One perspective is a one that looks at the eye of history and what does he want to be remembered for. And the other is as a Republican strategist, someone who has worked to uh, overturn, who uh, worked to allow for unfettered money to impact politics and who worked to gut a portion of the Civil Rights Act. Someone who has been interested in developing the conservative jurist project for decades now, and that interest has not abated. The from either of those perspectives, it seemed less likely, and let me explain. If you are one that is looking at history, if you are the justice that overturns a critical right for millions of Americans, it is the rarer justice, it is the rarer justice that wants to be remembered in that way, who thinks that the appeal that that would have, that the story that would be told within evangelical uh, church right-wing circles would be the same. Would, would be the only story that was told in the primary story they were concerned about. But the other is thinking about this at, through the lens of John Roberts as a Republican strategist. Now we don't know which you know what evil or good lurks in the hearts of every person. We don't know all of the things that motivate John Roberts. But even if you put in his head the motivation of Republican strategists, not just trying to be the new Sandra Day O'Connor and decide which is the five or which is the four, not only in that perspective, but if you think of him more like Rehnquist as somebody who is trying to plot for a strong court, a strong conservative court, and a strong conservative leadership of that court for a long time, that if you topple the most famous thing People will notice and that will impact their trust of the court. That will impact electoral, electoral, electoral results, excuse me, that will impact the movement and discussion in the country. If you overturn Roe versus Wade, that would fuel a new feminist movement like no court, no decision by any court, no decision by any Congress that has happened for a long, long time. And I think, therefore, he would has even as a Republican strategist that. From that perspective, he would pause. I am reminded when Rehnquist, when the Rehnquist court stuck up for Miranda rights and people looked at it and said, well, Miranda rights are probably going down because there's nothing that has that in statute. It's not it's not in the Constitution. It's something we just kind of picked up from British common law. This is the kind of thing that the Rehnquist court, there's five judges to get rid of that stuff. But Rehnquist didn't. And that did not surprise me. Rehnquist was a Republican strategy, started out his career as a Republican operative, not just some, you know, ivory tower jurist. And he knew that if you got rid of Miranda warnings, maybe the one thing that's in the law that every single American who watch cop, sh cop shows know that it exists, then people would wake up and say, uh-oh, we better be careful about this conservative judicial project that's been going on for, at that point, two or three decades. And that would 
create a long-term potential backlash to that project. So that's what I wanted to say about that. But we will continue to watch. I remain concerned. And where I, where I am most concerned about the court is when it's doing stuff that not everybody is paying attention to. Uh, but when it comes to Obamacare, when it comes to Electoral College Freedom, as you said, and when it comes to the president's tax returns, that, as my dad will say, we will see. Dad, what are your thoughts? Especially the DD tax returns. Before we dive into the legislature, hmm. there, there's two, two things that I, I want to make sure we, we do mention. I just want to express sadness that the Vancouver, Washington, old apple tree at 194 years old, is gone. It died. Lived a lot longer than apple trees usually did, but it's gone. All right, there's the apple tree news. And then I think we need to acknowledge that the Mississippi legislature yesterday, on Sunday, both houses voted to get rid of the stars and bars on its flag and created a commission to come up with a new no, not as stars as Mars. It's Confederate. The it, it's it's the Confederate uh, portion. You, you can call the U.S. flag the stars and bars as well. Uh, you, you mean it got rid of the Confederate portion of its flag? Well, yeah, but the stars and bars were on were were on the Mississippi flag. But when you say stars and when somebody says stars and bars, they typically mean the U.S. flag, not the Confederate flag. No, 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 no. The stars and bars are the Confederate flag. Really? Yes. That's what the stars and bars refers to. It's the Confederate flag. I oh. think that's right. Google it and see if I'm right. I'll take it. So uh, should we talk about uh, the is, this why, this is why, your 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 brilliance, experience, knowledge is why you know people love the show. So let's talk about the legislature, Dad. What were your biggest takeaways? Well, the biggest takeaway is that they managed in three days to pass twenty two bills, twenty two, some of which were were stuff that would have been passed, housekeeping stuff, that would have been passed in the last session, in the in the uh, February session, had the Republicans not taken French leave. But they, they passed six bills addressing police behavior, and they uh, ad- passed bill addressing evictions, and they passed... <laughs> bill on on license revocation for not paying fines but we should talk about the police bills one of the bills they passed which is a very very good thing uh, in my judgment is that arbitrators can no longer find that yes there was misconduct but the discipline disciplinary action by the police nonetheless should not be allowed to stand, limiting the arbitrator's power, which is a really good thing because arbitrators consistently, I think largely because they thought if they did not do so, they would no longer get hired to be arbitrators, have have ruled in favor of policemen who really should have been disciplined. I was very, very disappointed in what happened to 4201, and I understand we're going to have the Attorney General, you're going to have the Attorney General on this morning, and I hope you ask her about that and convey to her my disappointment of what happened to that bill. Dad, I did do the quick research on the Stars and Bars. We were both wrong. The the Stars and Bars, they, they did not remove the Stars and Bars. The Stars and Bars was the first Confederate flag, the one that looked more like the American flag. It was the one that had a ring of stars 
you know, kind of like the original U.S. flag, and then three big stripes, two two big red stripes and one one white stripe. And that was the Confederate flag from 1861 to 1863. I'm, by the way, not that disappointed that we don't know our Confederate flag stuff perfectly. Uh, the The next, the Confederate flag that we're all familiar with, the one that was on the side of the General Lee car in the TV show that that we watched as kids, uh, that that is called the Stainless Banner, not the Stars and Bars. There you ah, go. Well, I have learned something, but I at least at least I knew that the Stars and Bars was a Confederate flag. All right, Dad. So here are the bills that happened. Senate Bill 1604. This was Lou Frederick's bill. This was the arbitration bill. This was the bill that made it harder for arbitrators to overturn police disciplinary findings. 4201, this is the one that you just mentioned, Pop. That was supposed to be the bill that uh, handed over to the Attorney General's office review of use of deadly force cases instead of by district attorneys who work on a day-to-day basis whose most important constituency are the police to try to give greater independence than handing it over to uh, the attorney general's office. That, Which, and, by the way, I introduced in the 2005 legislature uh, because uh, of my brief service as a member of the legislature. 16 years later, they got and stuffed it to just create another damn commission. <laughs> I got to write that down. I don't know if that's how I'm going to refer to it, but I, uh, another damn commission is how I want to. So I'm gonna, I may, I may, I may bring that up. I certainly bring up a topic with Attorney General uh, Rosenblum, who is coming on the show later. And yeah, that's now the Joint Committee. It's not even a commission. Bring it up, but I want you to tell her how I feel and uh, tell her that she should listen to my testimony on the subject and get well, you can behind it that. so that it happens in February. House Bill 4203 that bans cho- chokeholds unless officers really want to use them. Uh, the it was supposed to ban. Well, I don't supposed to. It was originally proposed to ban chokeholds. They said, well, now it is. Uh, you can still do chokeholds where deadly force is warranted. Dad, how do you feel about that one? Well, I have a hard time imagining the imagining the scenario where deadly force is justified, and you would still be sufficiently in contact with the potential perpetrator to impose a, a chokehold. I mean, if you're close enough to, to that, why would, you need to, why would you need to use deadly force? It just, it just seems ridiculous. Not only, not, only, not only close enough, but, the, uh, but you have the person under control sufficiently exactly. to do a chokehold. Exactly. And this gets to, and this gets to, to me, what is the uh, most important unton, undone work, which is, in fact, our use of force statute. And I need to get somebody in to talk about the use of force statute. But I've now had multiple people who said, Jeff, we've got one of the most permissive use of deadly force statutes in the country. And so if you're allowed to, it, if you think it's only for self-defense or defense of others, if that's when deadly force is allowed. Okay, as it is in many states for defense of the officer or defense of others. Our use of force statute in Oregon is more permissive. And therefore, if we have the same or I say concomitantly, concomitant, concomitantly, if we had a use of force statute that were like that, 
then your point would be either this bill didn't matter or it was silly, right? Because how often would there be a scenario? I can imagine a police officer saying there could be a scenario where they thought the chokehold was the only thing they could do to save their life uh, at because the person was you know being so dangerous and the chokehold was their only chance. Uh, but generally now, because we have a more permissive use of force statute, means there is still a more permissive use of chokeholds than there would be otherwise. So to me, that that uh, nods to one of the most important pieces of undone work. House Bill 4208, which allows use of tear gas. Uh, still, that started out as a bill. And Dad, this is the other big story to me. He said, I think every amendment, and I've got to be wrong. There's got to be some amendment. If I say that uh, definitively, I'm sure I will be wrong. But all of the major amendments I am aware of, all of the major amendments I am aware of, during, that happened during the special session, all weakened the bills. Yep, they all watered stuff down. They all made, they, and by weakened, what I mean is they moved them in the direction of law enforcement, moved them in the direction of the police, the DAs, and the sheriffs, which have a lot of influence in, um, around state legislatures. Recognize that the sources of power right now for activists are public opinion, are rallies, the sources of power for DAs, sheriffs, and police officers is that every sheriff know, you know, will know a state legislator. Every the, the D, every district attorney has a relationship almost certainly with at least one of the state legislators that touches their district. They also, all of them have lobbyists. There hasn't been a big police reform organization with an entrenched lobby, entrenched lobby who's been making campaign contributions and doing political endorsements for the last 20 years. But if you are the DAs, if you are the uh, police associations, uh, if you are the police chiefs and if you are the sheriffs, you've been engaged in this stuff for decades. Uh, by the way, we got uh, text in my opinion on the special session. Legislators and the public did not get enough chance for input. Dad, what's your response to that one? <laughs> well, the, uh, the input input is a challenge. I, I personally felt a little squeezed when all morning last week when, when I testified, they were giving people three minutes. And so I prepared my testimony for three minutes. And after lunch, they said, well, it's only going to be two minutes now. They cut your time, Dad? You love that. You never so, mention. So, it never so concerns in, in you when someone cuts your time. They announced that, and the time it became my turn, I had to to modify my testimony by 33%, which is a fairly substantial modification. The, you, you need to go on with the bills. I especially want to talk about the the bill that was passed which seems absolutely ridiculous that it was needed to be passed, that says a policeman who sees a, a, a fellow police person doing misconduct has to intervene and then has to report. And the idea that you have to have a law requiring that gives you just an idea of how much reform is needed. No, you'd kind of think if police officers are supposed to stop someone breaking the law, that that would apply to other police officers as well, right? So it's like, hey, wait a minute. One of the more important laws we have is like killing people, and you're gonna if you're gonna and or harming them otherwise unjustifiably, you're harming somebody that, and you're a police officer. I got to stop you, whether you're a police officer or not. You'd sort of think that that'd be how it goes, but no. Having a duty to intervene was that's House Bill forty two oh five that got passed. House Bill forty two oh eight. I do need to go into. They were gonna ban tear gas, or at least that was the proposal. 
And instead, what now they you said just is... just to tell people, heads up. I've got to tear gas you. Everybody, the tear gas is coming. <laughs> You're a riot. And if you don't, get out of here. Uh, we're going to tear gas you. And if you do that and you give them some time, well, then you can still tear gas them. I haven't read the bill. Is there is there some is there, is there some time requirement? I mean, is it seconds or minutes? No, no, I, I'm sure. I, I, we, we should read the bill before. I should read the bill to give the language. But no, what it'll be is, you know, it'll be a reasonability standard or something, right? Because it'll be case by case. Ain't no way. Because you couldn't say, I mean, otherwise it'd be like Ali Ali Oxen free. It'd be like, okay, I'm counting down 99, 98. 97. I mean, that would that would even be more dystopic. Uh, I think it's just like, you know, maybe, give them some discretion. Just, maybe they should sing beer bottles on the wall. And and there is, I mean, I think there is legitimate discussion for us to have around non-lethal force. We're saying, hey, we don't want folks using guns. We don't want police officers using deadly force. And at the same time, the, re- the reason police officers exist is to, ha- is in order to, enact essentially the state monopoly on force. And so defining that force and giving them the tools that are legitimate to do it, right? It's like, well, I'd rather no taser than a taser, but you might prefer a taser to a chokehold. You might prefer a chokehold to rubber bullets. You might refer, prefer rubber bullets to a uh, to a, a bullet, you know, made out of iron, made out of steel, made out of whatever, you know, tungsten, whatever the heck they make the bullet out of. Uh, House Bill 4207, that requires the state to maintain public records on police discipline. We'll get a reformer in also and talk about what got. Might also Mike Silvaggio, who has been who worked for Ted Wheeler uh, in the Treasurer's Office. He's now a lobbyist for the. Uh, he's now a lobbyist for the police. I actually hadn't realized that until. I looked, and I know he worked for uh, Stacy Dykus, who worked with me, and that was a, a big relationship of hers. And she apparently passed that off to Mike Silvaggio. I did want to respond. Well, it didn't happen. Qualified immunity didn't happen at all. wasn't brought up. Dad, explain why that matters to you. Well, qualified immunity is the is the thing that the Supreme Court came up with. What eighty six? I don't remember what, what year, but a while back, that said you can't sue a cop for bad conduct is what basically says, which is something that just really needs to be taken care of because if you could sue a cop for bad conduct, I think it might have a very, very salutary effect upon bad conduct by police. And, and I continue to say if if policemen and women, if police agencies, the rank and file, just could do one thing which over time would increase their the trust in which they are held it would be that they would never lie to protect a fellow officer just that one thing that they would never lie either by saying something which was false or failing to say something which was true both of which are 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 forms of lying that if they would simply never do that over time, the trust would be increased so much, and of course, successful policing depends so much on community trust. And I do want to say one thing that we got. Uh, I'm going to say a couple of things. Here is my take about answer my own question about how the legislature did. If someone had offered these, let's call them five bills, right? Maybe four and a half. 
with one of them. Not even that doesn't even create a commission. It just creates a special committee of the legislature. Like it's not even it's not even a commission. It's not even a you know standing army. Uh, the but if somebody had offered these you know four and a half bills two months ago, I would have said, "Wow, that is a lot. That's more than the state has done on police reform." I don't know, since I've paid attention, maybe ever, that's a lot. However, my reaction now, two months later, three weeks later, a month after George Floyd has been killed and we've had, you know, weeks of protesters in the streets, it doesn't feel like... consecutive days in Oregon. It doesn't feel like enough, right? It, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like enough. It doesn't get to some of the critical issues. But I do want to give... I do want to give credit. I mean, for somebody, again, like Senator Lou Frederick, who's put out 59 bills. I, I've said this before. I said it to him. It's got to feel disorienting to all of a sudden. You've been beating your head against the wall. And each time you put up a bill, it's hard to get even a pretty darn modest bill passed. And then all of a sudden, you know, the band has moved on beyond you and people have demand for even more than what uh, you've prepared in the past and what you have proposed in the past. Uh I also wanted to respond to the text about whether legislators and the public got enough chance for input. It, it did move at such a brisk pace. Now, the good news, they got something done during a special session. They got a bunch of stuff done, and there's still going to be more. There is, however, I am concerned that there is a predilection in the current legislature away from citizen input. And I'll give you the example that made me nervous. And this happened 10 years ago. Uh, they, it was at eight, no, I think it was 10, uh, when they changed, when legislative leadership, and I don't remember if this was Tina Kotek, when Tina Kotek was majority leader or when she was speaker, uh, but they changed the deadline by when legislators could submit unlimited bills. It was a technical enough thing, a picayune enough thing, that it got no news coverage that I'm aware of at all, okay, at all. It was an enormous thing, and let me explain. So previously, legislators could submit bills and you at some point in the session, they'd say, OK, you can't submit any new bills. You know, two months in, three months in, six weeks in, you can't submit any new bills. OK, you're allowed to submit a couple priority bills after that deadline. If something really important comes up, you can submit like two priority bills if they're really important. And they changed and they changed that deadline but prior to that deadline, you know, prior to that six weeks, two months, whatever it was at different sessions, you could submit 120 bills, as many as you want. If you had some constituent come to you and say, hey, there's something I got it. You know, we got to do this one thing. Heck, the bottle bill came from constituents. The vote by mail uh, came from it was a constituent uh, driven bill initially. Uh, if somebody came with an idea, you could for sure put it in the first month of the session when people are starting to pay attention to what's going on. You could go ahead and submit that bill and not worry that it was, you know, one of the only bullets you got to fire, one of the only nails you got to hammer. They changed it about 10 years ago so that the deadline by which you, a legislator could submit unlimited bills was October. Now, there are two things that are notable, at least about that. First is, that's before anybody's paying attention. That's before, and I say anybody, that's before anybody other than elected officials and entrenched lobbyists are paying attention. The other thing is, that's before the election, so that you have to get your bills in before the election. So if you want to put something in that you, you know needs to be done, but you don't want your opponent to jump on, you couldn't do it. 
it's before any member of the state house has been duly elected to the seat where they will sit when they propose the bill and try to vote on the bill that they are supposed to submit before they've even been elected to be able to do that very thing. Right. And I'm not saying we should pretend that incumbents don't typically win because they do typically win. And we shouldn't just close down government until they have been you know, over the formality of being elected in some cases. But we shouldn't treat it only as a formality. We should also recognize that, you know, it matters that people get elected. It matters that elections happen. And it really matters that people can pay attention. So anyway, it, there has been an instinct away from citizen engagement in American democracy for far too long. It's, it's one of my greatest concerns. It's one of the reasons I lionize and appreciate the people who truly engage in the political process. There's so many barriers. I, they are intentional barriers. They are barriers to allow power to operate unfettered. And what I hope our project will be is engage more people in the application of power. That's what democracy is supposed to be, is, in fact, power wielded by the people. And that's, you know, I want our process to do that very thing. Dad, and, a couple- of course, the, the big winners by that rule, the big winners are the lobbyists. Because what do the lobbyists want? They want plenty of time to gin up support or even more significant, opposition to legislative proposals. So you have to have it in, in October. Hey, that gives them three months before the legislature starts to gin up opposition. Dad, got it. The attorney general is going to be calling in about five minutes, so we've get, and I, I want to be able to get to her on time. So I'll just fire through a few other bills. Uh, House Bill 4204 prohibits lenders from pursuing foreclosures against homeowners through September 30th. Another big one on housing, extending the state's moratorium on residential and commercial evictions. That was set to expire tomorrow. Now it'll go through the end of September. And renters have until March 31st, 2021 to pay back unpaid rent. So that's a big one. Uh, the Senate Bill 1606, new protections for disabled patients to ensure they're not forced to sign end-of-life agreements. A couple measures that got passed that died when the Republicans ran away to Idaho, uh, including Senate Bill 1602, which new requirements for pesticides uh, by timber companies, uh, extending the tax on phone service to cell phone providers, a cell phone tax to fund Rural Oregon broadband, that's a pretty big one. Uh, and and you, can't, you can no longer revoke somebody's driver's license because they haven't paid a fine. Yeah, unless you also don't, you also fail to appear in court. Anything else on the legislature? Otherwise, you should fire away with any headlines you wanted to make sure we covered. Well, just, just, I think there's some COVID stuff that we had to talk about. The world has now had more than 10 million identified infections with more than 500,000 dead. U.S., 33 states on the up instead of the down on the curve. Only Connecticut and Rhode Island are down. The rest, including Oregon, are described as steady. The, there are, are fears that the July is going to bring an exponential increase in cases. The uh, and there are estimates that we may be unre- under-reporting the actual infections by anywhere from 6 to 24 times. The vice president at last is wearing a mask and is telling people that they ought to wear masks, 
But DDT has not joined the chorus, and I suspect he never will. The uh, Harvard study says that people who get their news from Fox, especially from Hannity or from Limbaugh or those folks, are more likely to catch the virus, that there is clear evidence that those folks have a higher infection rate because, of course, Hannity and Fox and Limbaugh and all. And we shouldn't just said, chuckle about, about that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And we shouldn't just chuckle about that. I mean, that 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 is telling us that uh, that Fox News and right wing radio are actually hurting people like not only in a not only in some arguable ideological way of, oh, maybe they're, you know, gutting the social safety net and therefore fewer people are going to get access to health care. But directly, like you listen to that thing and it makes you do things that are more likely to hurt you and hurt someone you care about. Yep. And the sort of local effects, local effects, Le Bistro Montage, Close Forever, Pendleton Roundup, not going to happen this year. First time that's happened since the Second World War. And we are getting back to where there may again be a shortage of PPEs. Yeah, well, we're having, I don't know if we can call it a second spike, Dad. The, the fact I heard. Oh, the first strike, the first wave hasn't died. That we are, I mean, you know, we did bend the curve on deaths, right? We're having fewer deaths a day than we were having, uh, than we were having several weeks ago. But the challenge is that case rates have gone up and deaths are lagging indicators. So when you and I talk next on Thursday, we might have more information. We talk next Monday and Thursday after that, I get particularly concerned. Uh, the I, I need to get a second source on this. What was just cited, I mean, I got it on television, but is that the United States is now one quarter of all of the world's cases right. of coronavirus. And, and they talk about waves. The United States had, had, doesn't have a wave because when you think of a wave, there's a wave and then there's a low place and then there's a wave. We have a tide and the tide is continuing to come in. It's really scary. I mean, this is, I, I said this before, but it is worth saying again, this is the greatest failure in presidential history, I think. I think this is the greatest failure in presidential history that not acting early, not pushing masks, not gearing up production capacity to produce P, uh, PPE, uh, to uh, tell people, in fact, that it was a hoax, to say it was going to go away quickly. Now to rush and try to get your entire propaganda apparatus, which is the biggest propaganda apparatus this country has ever seen. The, the combination of right wing radio, the legion of social media bots, uh, as well as as well as Drudge reporters, it's Drudge Report wannabes, it's and himself and wannabes, etc. And and Fox News, there ain't ever been anything like it in the history of the country uh, to have that entire machine calling into question how serious it is, calling into question that you know, taking off the stickers so that people don't socially distance at Trump rallies. But, Dad, I think it's time for a straw in the wind. Straw in the wind. And I have straws in the wind. Ninety seven straws in the wind. First straw in the wind. The NRA, the National Rifle Association, has let go 200 people because they have money problems. Oregon State and University of Oregon have agreed we will no longer call contests between the two universities civil war. The Chesapeake 
Energy Corporation, which is the second has been the second largest oil company in the country, leading the rule, leading in fracking, has declared bankruptcy, Chapter 11, because they lost 8.3 billion dollars in the last reporting, and Microsoft is closing all of its physical stores. Those are straws in the wind. Love you, lad, and we will be back on Thursday. Love you, Bob. I got to say one thing. I don't know if you've heard my favorite proposal so far for the new name for the OSU U of O game is the Platypus Cup. I saw that. I'm fully in yeah. favor. That's a natural. Oh, it's, I'm fully in favor. All right, Pop. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.